Jung had a great talent to reach into the soul, to intuitively divine what was going on, but without any of the technical jargon of you know, psychiatry of this day. Uh, it's much like a, a shaman who's attuning to his patient or her patient, doing a kind of mind meld intuitively. And um, through the loving presence and great care that's communicated... I would like to begin with just a little prayer because any teaching I do, I like to place it in a sacred context. And for me, it's simply this. Powers above and powers below. And powers all around draw close. Open the doors of perception and learning. Close the doors of fear and harm. And bring us onto our heart path in a way that is creative and makes beauty. So, a little bit about my background. I uh, had what you might call a shamanic awakening when I was 19 years old and had a second one at 34. And these things, uh, to the social consensus, I looked crazy. But in fact, uh, it turns out that it was a pretty classic shamanic awakening. And uh, at 34, I saw that I really needed a teacher. And uh, I found uh, a teacher in the area in which I live in, Dwajak, uh, Michigan, who got me started on a path and uh, helped me stabilize my experience. And that uh, was a, a Potawatomi Ojibwe teacher, which led me uh, later to uh, a Cherokee teacher, a woman uh, by the name of uh, Eileen, who uh, helped me stabilize my work in visionary states and trance so that I could uh, diagnose and heal uh, in an inspired way. And uh, and then from there, I spent eight years working with uh, a Taita Yachak, which is uh, an elder uh, shamanic healer in the uh, Atis Kichwa tradition of Ecuador. And... Uh, in all three of these uh, traditions, uh, the heart path was a major component of um, the shamanic system so that one is living one's own calling through the heart and living in attunement with uh, the great spirit or the ultimate reality as well as within the world around one. And by living from the heart, you find your way in life. Uh, a lot of my teaching there was to learn how to actually listen inside in the middle of my body and see how I was being directed, how I was being invited onto a certain path and not onto another. And uh, that led me uh, to a North American-style vision quest by the time I was 35. And on that quest... I saw clearly that I needed uh, to bring what I do into the uh, contemporary world in the Western culture. And so I chose to uh, go into psychology and uh, also medical anthropology and study uh, healing systems across cultures and learn more ways to articulate the kind of uh, life 
experience and work that I had been called to. And so that's how I come to bring together uh, shamanism in its uh, classic sense associated with uh, uh, indigenous uh, peoples around the world, but also in a very modern sense uh, of uh, the depth psychology of C.G. Jung. Now, Jung himself uh, had his own uh, wounds and crises. Uh, as a child, he was a loner, he was dreamy, he was out by the lake a lot, he didn't have any siblings until he was nine. And uh, he just kind of got lost in his imagination, he was very playful, uh, he loved his dreams, he had visionary experiences. He didn't fare well in school, especially the gymnasium or the high school. Uh, he had some uh, fainting spells. Um, and also, as he was growing up, his mother was very troubled psychologically. She had what was called a break- breakdown and was hospitalized for a very long time. Uh, speculation is that she was depressed and there was trouble in the marriage, but whatever the case may be, this was a very painful uh, abandonment experience for young C.G. And uh, he said he never got over it. He never could completely trust a woman after that, even though he had a maid who was caring for him and raising him in his mother's absence. But also his father, who was a Swiss pastor, was... Uh, uh, in a crisis of faith himself, he didn't really believe what he was doing, but he was absorbed in parish work. He was very not interested in CG or in his uh, inner world, his inner experience, and thought the boy was uh, maybe a psychiatric case, you know, uh, worried for him. And then his father died. Uh, before he could even get to college. And uh, through the help and generosity of a family relative, he was able to go to college and chose a career in psychiatry, which I'll say more about in a minute. But this uh, lack of an available emotionally tuned father and of an available emotionally tuned mother opened up a wound in Jung. Now, Jung had a dream of some giant radiolarian in a pond of water in the woods, and it was blue, and he described it as a very numinous uh, experience, and it led him to uh, want to study science. Um, that became the pathway into studying medicine, and then he specialized in psychiatry because he wanted to know what went on in the inner life, the inner world of these hospitalized psychiatric patients. So he did... a. Um, uh, post-doctoral uh, uh, apprenticeship under Eugen Bleuler at the Asylum Bergetzli in Zurich. And uh, during this time, he uh, explored uh, as best he could the inner life of his patients. There's a famous case of this moon lady who was a young girl who was uh, in a catatonic state, very psychotic and not interacting with anybody. And Jung hung out with her for days and days, and uh, didn't ask anything of her, just kept her company. And finally she said to him, you know, I, I live on the moon. And Jung says, tell me about the moon. And the young lady began to tell her that she she lived in a tower on the moon, and she was like a protector, and down below were the women and children who were hiding from the demon lover. And um, 
she went on to tell Jung that she had been sexually abused by her brother and brother's friends. And since that point, she had withdrawn from Earth and took up her abode on the, the moon uh, where she could protect uh, other women and children from such monsters. This was the sense of it. And Jung just listened with great interest and uh, empathy. And uh, he said to her, you know, you can't stay on the moon now. You have to come back because you have already begun to. And what he meant was she came out of her autistic or catatonic withdrawal and she established contact with another human being and began to tell her story. She was angry at first because she realized Jung was right. But in fact, she came back and uh, recovered completely and married and had children. And Jung followed her for about 20 years. Her case, she did very well. So uh, Jung had a great talent to reach into the soul, to intuitively divine what was going on, make his diagnosis. But without any of the technical jargon of the psychiatry of this day, uh, it's much like a, a shaman who's attuning to his patient or her patient do it kind of mind meld intuitively and um, through the loving presence and great care that's communicated something of the soul of the patient opens up in response but Jung was looking for a father figure someone to attach himself to as a young apprentice um, to help him understand what really this kind of stuff means and how to articulate that in the modern Western context. And he found the writings of C.G. Jung to be uh, uh, of tremendous value, or I'm sorry, of Sigmund Freud, to be of tremendous value. And so he wrote Freud. They had a meeting. It lasted 13 hours, very long conversation, but they were very delighted to meet each other. And Freud uh, considered Jung to be heir apparent of the new psychoanalytic movement. And that went on well for two or three years, but Jung began writing and publishing his own psychology and having disagreements with uh, Freud, particularly around the sexual basis of things. And uh, it finally came down to uh, a, a very painful break between Freud and Jung, where uh, Freud felt Jung was a heretic and uh, was doing harm to his cause. And Jung ended up blacklisting from, blacklisted from the depth psychological movement of his time and certainly from psychoanalysis. And he quit his job at the University of Zurich and, uh, he began falling apart. And this is when his crisis came. Uh, it was a kind of creative psychosis, you might say, but at the time it was as if he had lost everything. He didn't know who he was or what his psychology was. He knew Freud's very well. But what was his own psychology? And he wanted to know what myth he was living by. I mean, what's his story that is his destiny? And uh, so Jung decided uh, there was nobody around to help him, so he would just initiate himself. And so he did something like a regular shamanic journey where he closed his eyes, he let himself drop down deep, as if he were going thousands of feet deep into the underworld. And he would land in a forest or land on hot sand and start running across the dunes until he got to the Rocky Mountains and found uh, hermits there and he would meet and have conversations and learn things and he met many many numinous creatures there in this quest to find his own soul and his own sense of purpose 
And one of the most important figures uh, was a figure called uh, Philemon, who was a Gnostic, uh, wise old man with uh, the wings of a kingfisher and uh, horns on his head and did paintings of this uh, figure, which were amazing. But they had conversations. It was like you had found an inner guru uh, or an inner guardian spirit who could now initiate Jung and uh, show Jung the lay of the land, the lay of the soulscape or the, the mindscape. And uh, this process of learning in this way took place over a five-year period. It was a very long initiation. But it came to its conclusion when Jung had a big Liverpool dream in which he was walking into this city of Liverpool at night in the fog and he crosses a circular moat around it and then there are four roads going into the island in the middle and there are walls around it and there are other people coming in but Jung is questing for the center and he gets there. It's all illuminated in the center. There's a, a gold leaf magnolia tree standing in the center. And Jung said, ah, ah, there I was. I was in the, at the center, and you cannot go beyond the center. This was his concept of the, the highest and deepest self, what he called the self-archetype, by which one uh, orients one's life. And he saw the foundations of uh, psychology and the soul were actually spiritual and had to do with this absolute center. And with that, in short order, Jung began to get a vision of what his psychology was, what his life's work as a clinician and as a scholar would be. And uh, at the close of this crisis, uh, this transformation, if you will, he spent the next 50 years elaborating what was revealed to him in that five-year initiation. And of course, his power as a healer was tremendously increased by the clarity of his vision. <laughs> 